Well, good morning. We are grateful that you are here as always, but especially on days like today where it's a little dreary outside. You know, uh, worship and our time together is not an outside thing. Of course, we had soccer matches yesterday morning with our kids. We were checking the weather, you know, to see if it's going to be rainy. And so we don't always get up on Sunday and check the weather. But a lot of times when we get up on Sunday morning and it's rainy, it's easy to, to want to stay in bed. And that's uh, certainly something we should try to set aside and go ahead and get up and, and plan to be here. But even with that said, there are some of our older folks who it's hard for them to, to drive. They need to be a little more careful getting out in the rain. So uh, I think preachers do sometimes check the weather on Sunday morning to see what it's going to be like. And uh, when it's dreary, usually our, our crowds are down a little bit, but we're thankful that you're here. We've got a, a good crowd assembled, and we appreciate the time that we can spend together in worship and in song and in prayer. Appreciate all the men who have led us so far in our worship time. and hope that it's been encouraging to you and that certainly our time of fellowship will be as well. I feel like I need to give a, a disclaimer before we start this morning. Some of the folks, probably just Charles and Shannon, maybe in, in hand over here can see, but there is a silver bucket behind me because we've got a little bit of a leaking problem, unfortunately, around the steeple, I think. Jerry uh, Renfro and others have looked at it and tried to get it fixed. So I just want you to know that if you see water go flying or hear a big crash up here, it's not on purpose or it's not an object lesson or anything. Um, but if I, I get to moving too much, I don't want to kick this bucket over. But don't be alarmed if, if anything you hear anything while we're in the middle of the lesson here. Uh, we are glad that you're here. Hope that you can be back with us again this evening as we think about uh, the book of Proverbs tonight in our book of the month club uh, that we've kind of been going through each book. We're going to talk about Proverbs tonight. And I hope that you can plan to be back with us. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, we're familiar with the passage and the time frame where Jesus is at, you know, actually at past the end of his life, I guess we would say, in a sense. And he is about to ascend into heaven. And in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, we read what we commonly refer to as the Great Commission. And it's the encouragement that he gave those who were gathered there, but that we still take encouragement from today, that we are to go into all the world. Uh, Jesus says, all authority has been given to me, and he takes that authority, and he transfers a bit of it, in a sense, to those who are gathered there and to us, that we are to go, and we are to make disciples. A few Wednesday nights ago, if you were with us on our Wednesday night, we talked about it in our auditorium class here, but that, of course, that passage talks about going and making disciples. Now, what happens is sometimes we use it to talk about baptism, and that's okay because he says here that as you are going... And as you are making disciples, one of the ways that you do that is that you baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And he goes on then as well to say that you teach them, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. We go forward to Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16 is another passage that we commonly refer to. But Mark, in sort of speaking of the same time frame, gives a, a similar account or a similar situation where Jesus says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Now, we notice here that on both occasions, in, in both situations, those who are recording this for us, the life and times, the life and death of Jesus, record for us that he mentions the idea of baptism. In Matthew, it's related to the process of making disciples, that if we are going to go about making disciples, then we are going to, to baptize them or help them understand about baptism. In Mark, it's mentioned in connection with salvation, and the, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. Now, 
there are lots of sermons that can go along as we talk about baptism. We can talk about the purpose. We can talk about what it is. We can talk about who should be baptized or if there's a need to be rebaptized. But one thing we can probably agree on right now with just what we've mentioned so far is that baptism must have been at least somewhat, if not very important, to Jesus because he's going to mention it. He's going to command it here that this is part of what they should be doing. Since it was commanded by Christ, it's very possible and, and should be something for our consideration. As is the case often with lessons, we don't have time to get into everything regarding baptism. But what we want to look at this morning, if you turn to Mark 16 or if you're still there, you notice that after he gives Mark's account here of the Great Commission, verses 15 and 16, you go down to verses 19 and 20, and it talks about that Jesus was received up into heaven. And notice in verse 20, they went out and they preached everywhere. In this lesson, what we want to do is, cons is to consider how the apostles carried out this great commission. If we're turning through and we're thinking about even the timeline, going through from the end of the gospel accounts or the accounts of the gospel to the book of Acts, what were they doing? If this is what he said, some of his last words to his apostles here were to give them to go to make disciples and to baptize people, let's see what they said about baptism. The title of the lesson is titled Preaching Baptism. That's something that we want to do here at the Saudi Church of Christ, something that I want to do for all of my lifetime as long as I am preaching. And even if I'm not preaching, per se, every Sunday in a pulpit, but living a life that is promoting because Christ did, and what we're going to talk about this morning, promoting the idea of baptism. Not because that it's just something I think is a great idea. Not just because it's something that the elders here may have said, well, you know, you better do that if we're going to hire you. But looking at what Jesus did and what he said and what the apostles were doing, we're going to notice that there was a lot of preaching and preaching about baptism. We're going to look at three fellows this morning that you are familiar with. The first one is going to be Peter. I noticed as we were giving, as I was giving the outline to faith, that I think last Sunday morning, all of our main points started with the letter P, and they're going to this week as well, simply because of the names of these guys that we're going to talk about. But we're going to think, first of all, about Peter in two specific occasions. Number one, of course, is the day of Pentecost. In Acts chapter 2, we go and we look at the day of Pentecost, and Peter preaches what we commonly refer to as the first gospel sermon. It's not the first sermon ever preached. Certainly, in a sense, it's not the first time someone has spoken about God. It's not even the first time that we say that a sermon, we use that term that you may find that in your Bible. We think about the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus has preached a sermon, so to speak. But Peter preaches the first gospel sermon because it's the first time that's recorded for us that Jesus has come to the earth, he's lived, he has died, shed his blood, and he has rose again, which is an important part of the gospel. And Peter here in this occasion is going to one thing we're going to, no, we're going to notice, and I didn't get it in your outline, but he's going to preach Jesus. And we're going to come back to that several times in the next few minutes. But he simply preaches Jesus and included in that, in verse 37, when they hear the things that he is saying, he is essentially preaching Jesus. You go back through beginning in verse number 14, that's exactly what he's talking about is Jesus, Jesus, this man of Nazareth. And when they ask him then, based on what they've heard, what they should do, he says in verse 38 that they should repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
Now, as you're familiar, there's a lot to unpack there. That could be a whole lesson in and of itself. But let's think for just a moment that Peter is exhorting his audience to be saved. They're asking what they should do. And the response down in verse number 41 of Acts chapter 2, the response was baptism. Those who gladly received the word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. One thing that we notice here that we often point out, I think I've preached a sermon on it before because I've shared with you before that it was the topic uh, of my senior uh, thesis or, or whatever you want to call it, senior level Bible class at Fried Hardeman. We had to debate the teacher, you know, had to write a paper and all those things. And mine came down, my, my senior, you know, four levels of school come all the way through and my senior level paper debating the teacher about the Bible was about the word, if you look in verse number 38, four. I've preached that lesson, and I heard Jerry say it, he knows, we've talked about it before, but it's ace, E-I-S, in the Greek, for. How can we talk about that? How can we have a whole paper or debate about that particular word? But let's point out for just a moment that some people say that that word, when it's in the Bible, it means, it can mean sometimes, not for, but because of. And so some people would say, pardon me, that people are baptized because of the remission of their sins. They've received their remission of their sins. They've been forgiven. So now they're going to be baptized. But that's not the construction here, even as we get into grammar and talk about the construction of the sentence. But when you talk about this, one passage that we, parallel passage we point out, is Matthew chapter 26 and verse number 28. If you recall that, Matthew 26 is not usually a, a topic of baptism. But in Matthew 26 and verse 28, as Jesus is instituting the Lord's Supper, He tells them, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. It wouldn't make sense that Jesus would need to die, that he would need to shed his blood if sins were already forgiven. Why would he shed his blood if if the sins were already forgiven? No, he shed his blood so that sins might be forgiven, and we are baptized so that we can have our sins washed away. There are a few rare exceptions that that word for might mean because of, but it's not here. Also, we notice in verse 38 that be baptized is joined by the conjunction and to the command repent. Repent and be baptized. And both of those are for or unto the remission of sins, not because of. Just as people were commanded to repent in order to receive the remission of sins, so they were commanded to be baptized for the remission of sins of sins now i don't think i'm gonna have any takers but if anybody like my paper you can just see me afterwards i'll get you a copy of it and you can read through that if you think you sleep through the lessons you'll definitely sleep through reading that if i remember much about it but there's a whole lot more there in that particular case but on the day of pentecost peter is preaching jesus he is preaching baptism being baptized for the remission of sins let's go further and notice that peter preaches a second time really a lot more than two but a second time in acts chapter 10 In Acts chapter 10, he is preaching at the house of Cornelius. And he not only has the distinction of preaching the first gospel sermon, we might say period, but he also has the distinction of preaching the first gospel sermon to the Gentiles. In Acts chapter 10, Peter followed up in that sermon to the Gentiles by commanding his audience to be baptized. If you're making notes, Acts 10, 44 through 48 
is the actual you know, text of what we're talking about him speaking. And again, there's a lot more there because we see the Holy Spirit falls down upon those who heard the word. We won't have time to get into that. But the sermon, of course, comes before that. But it is evident that what Peter commanded, his preaching of Jesus, and we won't read through the sermon, but notice that he talks about it beginning in verse number 36. Preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He talks about what he did in verse number 38 and going forth from there. But when we come to verses 44 through 48, that it's evident that what Peter is preaching, whatever it includes, because I, I have a feeling it may have been longer than just those, I mean, what it would take us, 30 or 45 seconds to read that passage there? Probably a little bit of a longer sermon than that. What did he preach? Preach Jesus. And it seems that his preaching involved baptism. Because that's evident of what takes place in verses 47 and 48. Now, we could talk about some of the other things that are included there, maybe in a future study. But at the very least, we can say that Peter's preaching, Peter's statements, or Peter's preaching was in harmony with the statements of Jesus in the Great Commission. Preach to people, preach the gospel, and command that people be baptized. Not because it was just something that Peter decided, not because Peter was the first pope, as some people would claim and those kinds of things, but he's following the commands of Jesus and exactly what Jesus said to do. We notice that Peter's preaching, at least a lot of what we have here, carry with it the idea of baptism. So far, the indication appears to be that baptism was done in water, as they say there in verse number 47 of Acts 10, and it was done for the remission of sins. Now, secondly, let's consider someone who wasn't actually an apostle, but was filled with the Spirit, and that man goes by the name of Philip. Now, you're going to turn backwards in your Bibles to Acts chapter 8, if you have your Bible and you're following along, but we would notice what Philip preached, first of all, involved the Samaritans. So in Acts chapter 8, Philip is preaching to the Samaritans, chapter 8 and verse number 5. Though not an apostle... Philip went to Samaria, and what does it say in verse number 5? He preached Christ. He preached Christ to them. Now, you know from my preaching, and we do it sometimes, and we've done it here even lately, but on Sunday night and, and other lessons, we get into some other things, right? We talk about some questions we have. We talk about topics that go along with the world and things that are going on around us. But it should be the case that all preaching comes back to Christ. We do touch on other subjects, but hopefully we come back to how it affects us with Christ. In fact, tonight, again, we're going to do our best, and I've not always been great at it, but we're going to do our best in the lesson on Proverbs in the Old Testament to think about how that book connects to Christ, because it's all about Christ. Philip is not an apostle, but he is preaching unto them Christ. And what was the response to his preaching? Because once again, we don't get a flowery lesson. We don't get a big long scroll. He didn't go on for 30 or 45 minutes and we see every word. We see he preached Christ, but what is the response in verse number 12? When they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Whatever he said, that seems to be the logical conclusion that people keep coming to. Preaching Christ and then being baptized. You don't have to go very far in your Bible, but let's notice secondly with Philip there in Acts chapter 8, the idea of the Ethiopian nobleman or the Ethiopian eunuch. I, I, don't, uh, I don't 
I try to warn you sometimes when I'm going to give you a quiz, but, but let's test you here. What do you think Philip preached? And it tells you in Acts chapter 8 and verse number 35. Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus. Pop quiz, but it wasn't very hard because Philip simply did the same thing he had done earlier and is doing the same thing that Peter has done and will do in Acts chapter 10 as he gets to the house of Cornelius. Though we are not told the content. I love preaching Bible sermons. I've done it a few times here. We've talked about one of Paul's one time, and I think we've gone through Acts chapter 2 in a whole lesson together. I love to think about preaching a Bible sermon, but we don't know what Philip said other than he preached Jesus. But from the eunuch's question there in verse number 36, see here is water, what hinders me from being baptized, I think we can deduce that it included baptism. Like Peter, Philip preached Jesus, not only by telling people about Jesus, but also what Jesus commanded. What Jesus said a person needed to do. And baptism, as we seem to notice here, appears to be an immediate response. We notice that it involved water. We notice that it has to do with the remission of sins. But it seems to be the case here that it is an immediate thing. There's no delaying. I mentioned this in class Wednesday night, but I've had someone ask me before, do you have to be baptized only during you know, church time, only during service time? And the answer to that, of course, is no, absolutely not. We'll meet you down here at 1030 at night or, you know, 5 o'clock in the morning or, or whatever. We'll meet you here whenever to think about being baptized because it's that important. It's convenient when we're here. We extend the invitation because we're here and hopefully you're thinking about Bible things. But one thing seems certain that most people, when they are truly convicted and they are truly meet their sins face to face and meet the Savior, in a sense, face to face, his words and what he says, what they should do, it's pretty immediate. There's no delay. And we notice that here, especially what Philip, the, the encounters that Philip has here. And this shouldn't be surprising to us. In light of what Jesus had to say, if we're making disciples, if we're helping people be saved, it shouldn't be surprising. Philip preached both to those in Samaria and to the Ethiopian nobleman. His preaching included Christ and it included baptism. But let's notice lastly this morning that old fellow Paul. And we're going to look at three occasions with him. The first would be in the conversion of Lydia. You may need to go forward to Acts chapter 16 in your Bible. Acts chapter 16 verses 11 through 15 is where we find the account of Paul being in Philippi and being introduced or encountering Lydia. And we note that again, baptism is following apostolic preaching. Now we notice Philip, he wasn't an apostle. He's still preaching Christ. He's still preaching baptism. I say that because I'm preaching baptism. I'm not an apostle but I want to preach baptism. But certainly here again, Paul, apostolic preaching and baptism follow, follows. It's evidence that she gave heed to the things that were spoken by Paul. Notice at the end of verse number 14 that she gave heed to the things that he was saying. And she and her household were baptized in verse number 15. And notice as well in the, in the account of Lydia here, Acts chapter 16 verse 15 she begged us, saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. I don't know for sure, but how could Paul have judged her to be faithful to the Lord? 
what would seem it's possible at least, or maybe even highly possible, that it would be by her response to the command of the Lord concerning baptism. At least seems possible. If she's saying, if you've judged me to be faithful, how could he know that she was faithful except for that he preached Christ and she was faithful to the command to be baptized? And he says, absolutely. If, you're, if I need to judge you to be faithful, you have been faithful to the command of Jesus and this preaching that we have shared in by her response to the command of the Lord concerning baptism. But let's not stop there. Let's go further in the conversion, of course, not only of Lydia, but the, in the conversion of the Philippian jailer. Don't turn. Acts chapter 16, we're still right there, verses 25 through 34. As Paul and Silas are in prison, there is that, that earthquake that takes place in verse 26. And the jailer comes and finds them in verse 29. In verse number 30, he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And Paul tells the jailer what he must believe, what he must do that he must believe on the Lord to be saved. And Paul went on in verse number 32 to speak the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. To him and his family, Paul, I think we can say pretty safely, preaches Christ. And in response, once again, here's the preaching, here's the message. We may not get every word or all the content, but what's the immediate response in verses 33 and 34 they were baptized. Evidently, the word of the Lord, whatever it was that Paul said, stressed the need to be baptized and to do it quickly. In fact, in every detailed, every detailed example that's given in the book of Acts, people were baptized. And we're going to look at, at a chart about that in just a moment. But we've talked about Lydia, and we've talked about the Philippian jailer, but let's talk for just a moment about Paul himself. Let's think about Paul himself. In Acts chapter 22, Paul recounts his own conversion. You remember in Acts 22, uh, Paul is addressing the Jerusalem mob. He, he's been almost killed right there. You know, he's been taken away, pulled away from the crowd for his own safety. And he takes this opportunity to address them, and he takes the opportunity to preach. He's got a crowd gathered. He has a moment to share and he's going to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And included with that, of course, really part of that is his own conversion. Exactly what he did. He describes how he was told to go to Damascus. For there he would be told, and by the way, you may know this is a reference back to Acts chapter 9. In Acts 22, he's referencing Acts 9. But he's told to go to Damascus. For there he would be told all the things appointed for you to do. Again, not specific step-by-step -step detail. I love a list. There's no list, though, here. No, no detailed list, but he's told all the things, or going to be told all the things appointed for you to do. And it would appear one of the things he was told to do would be to be baptized without delay. Acts chapter 22 and verse number 16. And now why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Let's make some more connections. Once again, he was told here to be baptized in order to wash away his sins. We've already talked about the remission of sins for just a few moments. And note here, it would do, we would do well to note that despite seeing the Lord on the road to Damascus, he still spent three days fasting 
and praying. In Acts chapter 9, verses 9 through 11. And he was still in his sins at that point. He had met the Lord on that road, but he was still in his sins. He had fasted, and yes, he had even prayed, but he was still in his sins. Seeing the Lord had not saved him. Somebody might even say, accepting the Lord had not even saved him. Look in Acts chapter 22, if you're there, and verse number 10. Acts 22, as he's recounting this, as we mentioned, so I said, what shall I do, Lord? Maybe he's even accepted the Lord in a sense. Don't get me wrong. Get another lesson maybe for another time. But he's accepted Jesus as Lord in a sense. But even that hadn't saved him. Praying and fasting for three days had not saved him. Not until he was baptized were his sins washed away. That's when, his, that's when he was saved. That's when his sins were washed away. That baptism played a large role, a prominent, a very big role in the preaching of the apostles and those in the book of Acts becomes evident when we compare. And I made for you, or I didn't make for you, I wanted to share with you, I borrowed this from a guy by the name of Mark Copeland, this outline in this particular chart, uh, but I wanted to share it with you because we can make it evident by looking at this chart. Now I've seen one similar like this before similar to this you can google it you can go in and type in uh, something like conversions in the book of acts and you'll find charts like this that will include other people as well who are listed on this chart what's interesting about this one is it takes the seven lessons or the seven occasions that we've already talked about this morning all right three with paul two with philip two with peter it takes those that we've looked at and just those and you would notice that in every particular occasion a person who was preached to, who was preached, Christ was preached unto them, baptism is involved there. They believed, and there are occasions where repentance is men mentioned. There are other places where repentance may not be mentioned uh, specifically, or even confess, as we look at there on the chart, not mentioned specifically. But there are even teachings and words of Jesus that we would know those are things that we need to do. Jesus says we have to repent. He says that we need to confess him before men. But we do notice absolutely, without a doubt, that they were baptized in each one of these occasions that we've looked at this morning. You can even go and take a look at other writers, other people uh, you know, from other denominations or things, and they will even write and say that it is very clear that baptism is a proclamation of Christ. And in apostolic sermons, it comes as a logical conclusion to the end of the lesson to the end of preaching Christ. And what should be proclaimed regarding baptism? Well, in this lesson we've seen it's for the remission of sins. It's to wash away sins. It involves water, that it was done immediately. And this would certainly suggest that baptism is necessary for salvation. And I would ask you right here, does that seem like a fair conclusion based upon the preaching of the disciples, of the apostles? Absolutely. They were preaching baptism. And we could even go further. I don't know. I didn't necessarily intend to get into this next week possibly. But there are even further lessons. Go read their epistles. Go read the writings of Paul. Go read the writings of Peter. It wasn't just in their preaching that we see in the book of Acts. But it was in their writing and their teaching as well. Baptism. They were preaching baptism. So should we. It is the only way by which man can 
be saved. It is that important. It's why we say, even as we talked about on Wednesday night, if you were with us for just a few moments as we extended Heaven's invitation on Wednesday night, all things are ready. We do our best here to be sure that all things are ready because it is that important. So the question at the end of the lesson this morning then is, have you been baptized for the remission of your sins? If not, why not? Some people would say, well, that's great. I hear what you're saying, but I'd like to know a little more. I'd like to study. Perfect. We'd study with you this day or as soon as possible. Open the scriptures. Look at these accounts in more detail. Notice other things that are shared as well. God's simple plan of salvation includes hearing the word, as we've even done this morning, believing the word of God, the words of Jesus, repenting of sins, making that change, changing your mind, but allowing that to change your life and your actions, and then confessing Jesus as Lord. Before an audience such as this, before those who be gathered there, Jesus makes the promise, confess me before men and I will confess you before my Father who is in heaven. And then you're ready to be baptized for the remission of your sins. Not so that the elders here might vote or that the preacher can give you the okay, but that the Lord can add you to his church. Maybe you're here this morning and you've done that, but you've struggled to remain faithful. And that's hard sometimes. Maybe you've wandered away from Christ and from God. Maybe there's sin in your life of a public nature that you would like to come forward here in just a moment and make that known before this great audience. One of our elders will be here to, to share with you and to listen and to pray with you and for you. We're thankful for that opportunity. Maybe it's of a private nature. You need to pray uh, to God and ask for forgiveness of sins. We're thankful for that opportunity as well. You know, sometimes if we're not careful, we preach a, a, a great lesson or a lesson on any, any number of subjects from the Bible, and we get to the invitation and we can rush through it. And we can make it seem like it's just something that we do every week, so we got to get it in. But baptism is what washes away our sins. Being obedient to the Lord is the step that each person must take in order to be in line with the will of God and to have that home awaiting in heaven. If you're not a child of God this morning, we'll be singing to encourage you. If you are, but you've struggled in life and wandered away or need the prayers of your brothers and sisters to encourage you, we'd love to do that as well, even now as we stand together and as we sing.